been having a wonderful week and welcome back to Everything Under the Sun. This week, I want to tell you about Mel Kids. Mel Kids are boxes full of scientific experiments. Your parents or a grown-up in your life can subscribe to Mel Kids and every month a new fun science kit will arrive on your doorstep. Full of something fun for you to make. I made a Mel Kids box with my son. We built a jack lift, which works using water, which you pull in and out of a pipette to make the jack lift go up and down. I was so impressed we made it work. And this taught us all about hydraulics. Did you know that diggers work using hydraulics? I had no idea that diggers have water inside them to lift their digging arm up and down. But now, thanks to Mel Kids, I do. So I asked my friend Ren what she thought of her Mel Kids box. She also got the jack lift one. Over to Ren. I received a Mel Kids box in the post. I opened it up and I looked at the instructions and I was like, wow, that's a jack lift. And it was very easy to build. When I finished, I got all my other toys and I use it to play with and also lift up and down. It's a very easy way to learn science. So there you go. Ren and I love Mel Kids and we think you will too. So try a subscription, which you can cancel anytime at melscience.com using the code SUN. That's S-U-N, SUN. Try one out today. Hello, welcome to the 17th episode of the second series of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. Well, here in England, where I am, it's officially spring. I'm so excited about that. It has been a long winter here in England with lockdown and lots of you will have been home from school. We've all done so, so well. And now the sun is on its way back and summer days will be here before long. There's so much to celebrate in spring. The flowers, the blossom, the sunshine, the bees, the butterflies. We'll be getting to all of those things in the next few episodes of the podcast. But one thing I love most of all about spring is the bird song, which gets louder and louder each day as spring goes on in my garden, or so it seems. There's one particular bird in England we think of as heralding or starting spring, and it's called a nightingale. We've got a question about nightingales up first, and it comes from B. Over to B. Hi, my name is B, and I live in Kent, and my hobbies are swimming and reading. And my question is, why do nightingales make the most beautiful song out of all the birds? Thank you, B, for sending me your excellent question about nightingales. To answer it for you, I have the best qualified person in the world, who is Sam Lee. He is a folk singer and author of a beautiful book which has just come out called The Nightingale, Notes on a Songbird, which I am reading now and is excellent. Sam leads adventures into the woods each spring to sing with nightingales, which you must check out and go on. I really want to go along to one and sing with nightingales with my children. Over to Sam. Well, B, 
Hey, I'm Sam Lee, and what a great question, and what good taste in birdsong you have. It sounds like you're one of the lucky ones, both that you live in Kent, which means you are living in one of the few places that nightingales do actually live, and also that you might have parents that let you stay up well late to go and listen to birds like nightingales, because they don't really start singing in their big song until about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. So I hope you have snuck out in the dark to go and hear them. But it's a very good question. Why is it so beautiful? And that's a bit of a contentious question because, I mean, the sound of a blackbird or the sound of swifts or a song thrush, these all do amazing things inside me when I hear them. But I'm kind of with you that I think the nightingale is the most beautiful singer of them all and very famous for singing at night as his name would suggest the nightingale, the nightingale, the night wind or voice. And we don't really know why nightingales are one of the few birds other than owls and maybe spurts of a dunnock or something else are the ones that sing at night so prolifically. In a bit of the way why penguins live in the Antarctic, because they're the ones that sort of made it there and found their ecological niche, the place that they are most successful at living in. So really, it's obviously all in the ear of the beholder, that sense of beauty. They just sing what they know to sing to both lure the females down into their habitats, but also to communicate with the males. But they have a very clever way of singing and they are great improvisers. There's been loads of scientific research to study the way nightingales sing and what they're actually saying and how that they choose the notes that they're going to sing, which is always different. And they have hundreds of different phrases and notes that they cycle around with no obvious pattern, but really clever thing is when you hear the males singing backwards and forwards call and response to each other in the woods and then all of a sudden they'll come into unison with one another and I spend a lot of time listening to them do this incredible song they'll sing all night long and I actually run events called Sing with Nightingales where we take musicians and an audience into the woods at night to listen and play music with them because they love human music and they respond beautifully we also have lots of uh, family events where you get to hear the birds sing in the daytime too so come along to them but really part of the beauty i think is in the magic of the night the fact that it's dead silent and they have an amazing way of using the space and that silence as part of their song i call it the decoration of silence this idea that the bird knows that those pauses in between are actually the most beautiful parts of it so their song is all about wrapping that silence around in these exquisite strange trills and notes and it's been an inspiration for people, humans, artists, writers, poets, songsters for thousands of years. And I like to think that the reason why it's so beautiful is because we have spent so many thousands of years growing with the nightingale and knowing that their song means it's spring and it's warmer and it's green and the hunger gap is over and we will survive into another summer. And I think that's why we think it's beautiful because it sounds like the song of life itself. So I hope that answers your question. I hope to see you in the woods sometime singing with nightingales. Many thanks. Thank you so much, Sam, for your beautiful answer about nightingale. Sing the song of life itself. I bet you'd love to hear that nightingale song now. But you know what it sounds like? Here is a little sound of Nightingale recorded in the woods by Sam.
that is the sound of a nightingale. Isn't that beautiful? What a gorgeous song they sing. I'm going to make sure this spring I try to find a nightingale or two in the woods and hear it singing with my own ears. How magical that would be. I really hope you get to hear one too. I hope that answers your question, B, and thank you so much for sending it in. Now, if you would like to be really clever and win a copy of The Nightingale, Notes on a Songbird by Sam Lee, for your mum or dad or grandma or anyone grown up who you love, then I've got a competition. It's not a children's book, it's a grown-up's book, but you can still win one for a grown-up in your life. Now, all you have to do is send me a recording of you saying your name, your age, a bit about yourself, and then do an impression of a bird tweeting. You can pick any birds you like, and if you're really clever, you could try and be a nightingale. So just ask an adult to borrow their smartphone and then record yourself doing your singing bird impression and send it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. I'll play all the singing birds on next week's podcast, which will be great fun. So please do stop the podcast now and do an impression of a bird singing and send it to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk and you could win a copy of The Nightingale by Sam Lee for a big person in your life. Now on with the show. Our next question is about peacocks and their song and it comes from Rose. Over to Rose. Hi, my name is Rose. I live in Bellevue Green and I am 10. And my question is, why are peacocks so loud? Thanks, Rose, for your excellent question. Why are peacocks so loud? Well, peacocks make a loud noise for two reasons. Could be that they're under threat and are trying to scare things away. Or most of the time, peacocks are calling out for a female to make babies with. Now, the reason why they're so loud is because peacocks are originally from India, where they lived in scrubby woodland, where their high-pitched calls got muffled even over short distances. So peacocks back in the woodlands of India had to make really loud sounds to reach the ears of females through these scrubby trees in India. Isn't that interesting? That's why peacocks are so loud. Now, did you know that peacocks' tails, also known as their trains, also make a really loud noise, which humans can't hear. When a peacock shakes its train, it makes a noise that sounds like rustling grass in the wind, which we humans can hear. Scientists call this sound a train rattle. It sounds like this. But this peacock tail moving is also making a sound that is so low pitched that if we could hear it, it would be about as loud as a car going by a metre or two away. It's really loud, but it's at such a low frequency that our ears can't hear it. But other peahens and peacocks can. Other males call out when they hear this sound, and females become more alert and spend more time running about or walking when they hear these sounds. Now, we're not totally sure what these infrasound noises are. They might be a way to say, hey, this is my territory, or it could be to attract females. Maybe back in the woods in India, the infrasound of their trains could be heard from 
further away through a bush or over a hill than their loud calls. Isn't that amazing? Peacocks are known for the beautiful feathers with eye spots on them. If you were to hide a peacock's eye spots, then he would have no chance of winning the love of a peahen. Peahens like peacock trains with lots of eye spots. Peacock feathers can grow to about five feet long. The longer the feathers, the faster the peacock has to shake them. You're most likely to hear peacocks making a really loud call if you live in England from the months of February into spring, which is the time they're looking for a lady peahen to make baby peacocks and peahens with. They even call out at dawn at this time and at night, just like a nightingale, although far less beautifully. Here is the sound of a peacock calling. I hope that answers your question, Rose, and thank you for sending it in. Now, our third question is about something else that makes a great noise we hear a lot out in the countryside in spring. It's about frogs, which, of course, croak. All kinds of croaks, depending on the species of frog. Well, frogs begin life as frogs born and then tadpoles. And this question is about tadpoles, and it comes from Alex. Over to Alex. I'm Alex. I am four years old. I live in Europe and my question is, how do tadpoles swim and what's the biggest tadpole in the world? Thanks, Molly. Bye. Thanks for your excellent question, Alex. I've just seen Frogspawn this week in the stream near my house and I've been watching it with my son. We can't wait for the black specks to turn into tadpoles and start to swim and then turn into frogs. Different species of frog have different tadpoles and they all swim a little bit differently. But let's talk about tadpoles that you're likely to come across in ponds here in England where you live, Alex, and I live. At first, in the week after they hatch out of frog spawn, tadpoles camouflage themselves because they can't swim. They just have to hide out for a while, living off the jelly from their frog spawn. This jelly helps them grow strong enough to be able to swim. Generally, tadpoles swim by flicking their body from side to side and using their tail. They beat their tail from side to side and this pushes them through the water. A bit like if you're sailing in a boat and you waggle the tiller to go faster, which you're not supposed to do. But it's a bit like that. Tadpoles flick themselves into C-shapes back and forth to push themselves along. Tadpoles spend most of their time looking for algae to eat. That's until they're about six weeks old and grow teeth and start eating small insects as well. At seven weeks, they grow legs. And at week 14, they have lungs and are little froglets that can get out of the water. It's quite amazing that around 16 weeks old, a young frog loses its tadpole tail that helps it swim. And the tadpole becomes a frog. Then they no longer need a tail to help them swim. They swim using their arms and their legs in a similar style to the way we humans do breaststroke, which I think we should rename frogstroke. I hope that answered the first bit of your question about swimming tadpoles, Alex. Now, how about the second part of your question? What's the biggest tadpole? Well, according to American scientists, the biggest tadpole ever found was 10 inches or 25.7 centimeters long. 
and it was found in a pond in Arizona in America. It was a monster bullfrog tadpole. If you held it in your hand, it would feel bigger than holding a can of Coca-Cola. Imagine a tadpole bigger than a can of Coca-Cola. Wow! Unlike the tadpoles in ponds and streams in England, most bullfrog tadpoles live for two or three years before they turn into adult frogs. They swim along with tails for about a year before they grow back legs. However, this particular extra big tadpole is a bit weird and scientists said it would probably never grow into a frog as something must have gone a bit wrong and it just keeps growing as a tadpole. It now lives in an aquarium, is fed algae and is nicknamed Goliath, which means really big. The biggest frog species in the world is the Goliath frog, which is the size of a cat. It's 30 centimetres wide and can weigh 7.2 pounds, which is the weight of plenty of newborn human babies. These huge Goliath frogs live in the rainforests of Western Africa, near rivers and waterfalls. They eat a special kind of plant that only grows there in the world. They also eat insects, fish, and there's even been a bat found inside one. This frog doesn't start out so big though. The Goliath frog tadpole is the same size as the tadpole of an average frog, but it just keeps on growing. The adult Goliath frogs can jump three meters at a time. Weirdly though, you'd think they'd make a really loud croak like a peacock, but they actually don't make a single sound. A totally silent frogs, unlike beautiful nightingales and noisy peacocks of the world. I hope that answers your question, Alex, and thank you so much for sending it in. Right, that's it for this week. Wishing you all a very lovely week full of spring bird song. And, well, it's too early in England for croaking frogs as they're all still floating around as frogs born, but it won't be long before they're tadpoles and swimming around, then leaping like frogs. A huge thank you to the wonderful Sam Lee for talking to us about nightingales and their song. And a big thank you to Alex, Rose and Bee for this week's questions. A big thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and Audio Networks for all the lovely incidental music we use this week. Remember to enter the competition to win a copy of The Nightingale by Sam Lee. Remember, all you have to do is do a recording of you doing an impression of a bird singing or tweeting and send it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. Remember, if you have a question you would like answered on the show, all you have to do is borrow an adult smartphone, open the voice recording app and record yourself saying your name, your age, a bit about yourself and ask me your question. It can be about anything and everything under the sun. Send it to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk and I'll answer it as soon as I can. If you like the show, please go to wherever you get your podcast and rate it, which takes about three seconds. And if you can, please do write a review wherever you listen to it, because apparently that really helps other children to be able to find it. And of course, send this to your friends and get them to listen. I also want to let you know about the beautiful Everything Under the Sun book. It 
is progressing. I've now got a sample cover of the book and it's looking absolutely beautiful and I can't wait to share a picture of the cover with you in the Easter holidays. So stay tuned for that. If you can't wait and want to buy a present for your future self, it's already available for pre-order if you go to Waterstones or wherever you like to buy books. It's called Everything Under the Sun, a curious question for every day of the year. And it's filled with all your questions and answers. Wishing you all a very lovely week full of sunshine and birdsong. Thank you for listening and goodbye.